Welcome to Messy Closet, the spiritual journey of Generation X. I'm Roseanne Carlo, and here we explore the 70s, 80s, and 90s in New York City and the lessons my friends and I may or may not have learned. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Messy Closet. And I was telling you guys last week that I had a really special guest, and I'm really excited to introduce her. So please meet, it's Kristen Bailey, and she's, I was going to say Kirsten for a second, and I do this all the time, but she's also known as Lady of the Lamps on Instagram, and I'm really excited to have her here because we're going to talk not just Generation X stuff, but a little beyond, and some astrology which is like one of my favorite topics so welcome so much hi everybody it's nice to be here thanks for having me I said welcome so much I'm a weirdo um (laughs) so we were talking about like mercury retrograde before we started this whole oh yeah and I just do have to confess that my brain these last few days have been having these like memory gap jump like dyslexic switching my words moments. yes you're not alone you're definitely not alone. <laughs> I'm there like, with I you can't, I can't screw my head on straight to have like a lucid thought and I'm like is it because there's so much gibberish in the world or is like there's something going on oh there's a, definitely a lot going on between mercury retrograde Mars is coming out of retrograde tomorrow. It stations direct. So that's like a lot of our inner angst and energy inward going outward. So, and I feel like maybe we've jumped timelines because yeah, yeah. I am so there with you. And I just want everyone to know that we're actually meeting face-to-face via zoom for the first time we've been connecting via social media with a lot of shared interests. Yes. The weirdest one being, as Kristen pops up on to the camera, I see this beautiful necklace she's wearing, and upon closer review, realize I have the exact same (laughs) evil eye necklace with baguettes around it, and it's beautiful, and things are so weirdly synchronistic. Absolutely. I mean, down to the numbers. I mean, people that we're connecting with, and I really feel like the whole timeline jumping thing is really just putting us in tune. It's the collective consciousness and and how souls are meeting that we knew each other before. Mm -hmm. Uh, more than ever, like in the last three to five years, I feel like in my own personal experiences. And, and that's because um, obviously what's happening in the world and we're all connecting in different ways, but social media is one of those things with that. Let me turn my ringer off. Sorry about that. Um, (laughs) Last time I had MacGyver on in the background of one of my episodes by accident talking about the Pluto channel and we were talking about Pluto, the planet. So it's all connected. It's everything is connected. And um, I mean, even in dreams lately, like I, I'm a pretty lucid dreamer and, you know, there'll be a lot of times where I don't dream and then I'll just go through these series of dreams and I'll meet up with people and then I'll see people in real life. And I'm like, I don't know you, but I know you. 
because I mm-hmm. really feel like there's like a soul reunion of these groups of people that we knew before that were meeting in this in this time frame in this life because I mean what a great time to be alive it's crazy it is. but we were chosen to be here at this point in time in history I mean never before have we ever seen anything like this and I don't think we ever will again so like the Gen X and that's what we were saying before and one of the ways we connected with you I think had made a comment about like you know, what do I think of people born in the years were 19? So 1977 through 1983 is what I call um, the Xennials. It's my generation. It's a micro generation because I don't, I mean, I do identify with Gen X in some ways and I definitely um, identify with millennials, but I don't, I don't say that I'm a millennial. I've never felt like a millennial because when I came of age, I still remember rotary phones. I still remember, I mean, like the internet was in its infancy and AOL dial up. And I grew up without a cell phone. I got a cell phone Mm -hmm. on my 18th birthday. So I remember the world before the internet. I remember the world before everything that we have today. You didn't grow up with those things because you grew up in the eighties. I grew up mostly in the nineties. I was born in 82. So I just turned 40 this year. So there are things that you remember that I might not remember. And, um, you know, and my younger siblings, I'm the oldest of four uh, that I grew up with and they don't remember certain things that I remember. So. Okay. Yeah. Cause you were at the, the tail end of like, like I have this saying, I say like the beginning of a new decade is like the old decade plus tax. Yes. Like you're still very, you're still very similar. So I was born in 1976, which is technically the late seventies. Yep. The disco era. The disco era. (laughs) Jeez. Yes. And Mm -hmm. so I don't have memories of the seventies really. Right. Like my earliest memory is watching Jimmy Carter on TV and asking like who he was. And I was about three, close to four years old. And that was really it. But I didn't know anything about the world. You know, whatever your clothes, your parents dressed you in, there was that like, you know, and it was very like seventies in the early eighties as well. Mm -hmm. And then I feel the decade starts to take on a life of its own. Oh, definitely. But with like 1977 to, I even go as far as like 1984, 85, I feel like those millennials belong with the Gen Xers because you were our younger siblings or cousins or like the other neighborhood kids and you were still playing with us. Yeah, you brought us along for the ride. Yeah, Yeah, we like, we were like, (laughs) I mean, we were running away from some of you sometimes, but not all of you all the time. Like we, I think, um, and it's, it's because, especially as Gen X, like you were raised, like play with your younger sister, play with your brother, like don't ignore them. Yes. And even if you didn't want to, you were doing that. So I didn't mind. I like playing with my sister. She's four years younger. She wants Barbie. I also play Barbie. I had no problems. Like, oh you know, being like a, a younger kid, even four years older than my sister. It didn't bother me because it was an escape. 
Definitely. And because you guys were the really the start of the latchkey kids, your Mm -hmm. mom probably went back to work and the divorce rate started climbing in the 60s. So there were a lot of divorces in the 70s. And so a lot of kids were kind of having to take care of themselves and their younger siblings during that period of time. That was really the start of it. And so was that both parents having to go to work. Right. The mom wasn't in the home as often. She had to go to work after like the feminist movement in the 60s and and there beyond, you know, women started to realize their power. And and also, um, you know, there were a lot of things with like new age, you know, religion is slowly kind of it's going out the door as we see where things were way more traditional back then things started taking a turn and it takes a long time for that to exist as the way we know it today. Like, um, you know, spirituality is really what's taking over now, but, um, you know, you growing up in the late seventies, you guys had it a lot harder than maybe I did in some ways, but at the same time we understand each other. And I really feel like, like, I don't want to jump into the astrology part of it, but we're also the Pluto and Libra generation that started in 1970, 71. And then it went out in 83, you know, it went in and out of retrograde here and there. Um, But Libra is really about uh, balance and extremism, but also like social justice and, and what's Mm. not fair versus what is fair. And also like how we view relationships versus how our parents viewed relationships. Like we are way more open to um, like, we don't have to get married first to have kids. A lot of people have kids and then get married. And, you know, the equality of relationships with, as we see, you know, all the things that have changed in the world today and, um, and music was really how we related to the world because yes. you remember the start of MTV and that was really my first consciousness. Uh, I mean, I connected to the world through music and I still do. And that is yeah. a Libra thing for okay. sure. So um, the MTV generation, you guys were all, you know, and, and politically, you know, you look at the grunge era and how like that was how generation x really use their voice i mean they're they're older now oh, yeah but uh but really it's like rage against the machine and and all the different bands that which is so funny politi- because mm-hmm. we grew up watching like alex p keaton and the young republican and he was yeah. fighting against his parents who were hippies and like the exact mm-hmm. opposite and it was everything like back to the future, going back to the 1950s and like the family values and, you know, Ronald Reagan kind of pushing that. And yeah, in the nineties along came, you know, Bill Clinton, the saxophone, all of his scandals and and grunge, like you say. (laughs) Yeah. Grunge, but also like, I mean, even like RuPaul emerged in the nineties and fashion and all the aesthetics that we know today, that's really the the infancy of how we look at things today. Like, isn't it so funny how all the girls today are wearing the stuff that we used to wear in high school? Like I used to, I mean, and I used to, it's weird. I'm like, okay, my goodness, because you know, we like 
I like, I like thrifting. I always have. I've been doing it since college. Me but too. Like, if you found something from like the seventies or the sixties, you had to almost be careful what you were choosing because back then, like dressing vintage was just like, well, why are you wearing old clothes? Right. Yep. That's, you know, if you think about the early nineties and, and how fashion really became, you know, pop culture and in style magazine and Vogue. I mean, those were always mm -hmm. there before, but it really became more available to the masses and our, our awareness of media and how it influenced us was definitely a big thing. And, you know, I, I'm definitely a thrift store shopper. That's how I make my living a lot of times. And, I remember going to the thrift stores down in San Diego with my grandma looking for anything 70s disco, bell bottoms, polyester, all of it. You know, I loved it. All the stuff that my mom would have worn that she hated, I wanted to wear. Just like I don't oh, have yeah. daughters, I have sons, but like their girlfriends, they ask me, like, what did you wear? And, oh, and all that fun. stuff. And um, it is. And I just remember, you know, wanting, to wear what my parents wore, listen to the music that my parents listened to, but at the same time still have to stay within my realm of my peers. But maybe I'm just the exception in, in some ways where- like, Ahead of your I, time a little, like, where now, you were like, I don't, yeah, you like <laughs> by going backwards, you were kind of ahead of your time, you know? And maybe I didn't know it, but that's also the funny thing about our generation being Pluto and Libra is that it's really the first generation where we're really aware and connected to our past lives, whether people believe in it or not. Like we understand the accumulation of what our soul's journey has been and how it's affected the world today. So the inequality that we saw and that we continue to see, like we're the social justice warriors, essentially. Yep, we are. And that- we didn't have the opportunities in certain ways and we're blamed. Like I know millennials are blamed for a lot of things, you know, like um, the housing market and certain things. But I was 25 in 2008 when the whole thing crashed. And, um, you know, a lot of my peers were just finishing college. Like we didn't get a fair shake in terms of uh, the job market and finding our footing in the world. And a lot of us are kind of lost in a way if we didn't have a set, expectation that we had to follow. So I think right now is the perfect time to look around and see, like, we can do anything we want to do. Yeah. We can do anything so the we want. The expectation part that you talk about is why I feel you're so part of Gen X, because as much as mm -hmm. some of us, like I say, I call myself a rebel and I am in many ways, Definitely. but I'm, I'm yeah. a safe rebel. Well, now I was much crazier back in the day, but, um, you know, I say these things, but there's also like living that expectation we were taught because we were, we grew up with it. Like I said, I grew up with the silent generation. So like my great grandmother born in 1908, my grandmother, the greatest generation born in the twenties, then my parents, the boomers mm -hmm. were born in the forties. And then there's me in the mid seventies. So I grew up with four generations or three who have all of their own sets of rules, but they were still all very similar. And I always felt that Gen X were the ones who emerged with 
being a little bit more progressive, being a little bit more inclusive, and then everything that like the millennials and beyond have today, I feel like we laid a little bit of that foundation out that was paved the way for, you know, everyone to be able to really put forth their qualms with social justice. Yes. And we still like, I, um, like the old school values essentially. And, and I still value hard work and like, we understand that because of the way that our parents grew up and their parents grew up. And it's funny, like in the different sides of my family. So my dad's dad, my grandpa, he was born in night. He was actually born, um, 11, 11, 1918. He was born on armistice day and his dad was born in 1870. So there's a huge generational gap there. And then my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, she was born in 1941 and my mom was born in 1961. So, yeah. So it's like, I see where, you know, why my dad is the way he is and also his birth order. I mean, he's the youngest of five and he has four older sisters. And my mom is the oldest of four. And the gaps in the years are just like how it is with my family. And so I think it's interesting to look at how we're all talking about generational trauma now and how we carry that with us and how if we don't look at our past, we will repeat the same pattern. So I really feel like, Generation X and into Zennials are the chain breakers because we see mm-hmm. the accumulation of the things that our generations before did. It's not to blame them. It's actually to turn right. around and change it. And so that's where so much uh, progress has been made. And then our kids will carry that on. But there's, you know, things that we got to reel in and keep. Oh, yeah. Keep. I mean, there's things that just get out of control as we see in the world. And I just think, I mean, that goes into a whole bunch of other stuff, but like I was born in the tail end. You were born in the middle of the Pluto and Libra. I was born in the tail end because I have a younger brother, 17 months apart and he's Pluto and Scorpio. He's December 83. And when Pluto and when Pluto went into Scorpio is when we saw the AIDS crisis is when we saw the debauchery is when we saw like MTV came up and how, you know, sexuality changed so much in the eighties and in the nineties. And so that really speaks to the astrology in the terms of Pluto, because Pluto is like the destroyer in a way. It's, it's one of those things that it lasts for a long time. We have to see at the base level for what it is. It's, it really brings things up from the depths of the collective consciousness and transforms. So, you know, like I remember the eighties very well, as much as I can. I mean, I really feel like my first memories, three, four years old, it was the mid eighties. That was, you know, like the, the new wave. And, you know, my mom was really young. She was 21 when I was born. And so I, I grew up with my mom with her in a lot of ways. And she was going through, I call the baby boomers, at least my parents, part Mm -hmm. of the baby boomer generation, Generation Jones, because it was all about keeping up with the Joneses. And it was all about the movie Wall Street, you know, greed is good. And and all of, you know, how the makeup and the hair and everything was so wild and and just so kind of in your face, like the big hair, everything everything. 
the jewelry, the fashion, the mall. It was how many credit cards you have. Like I used to joke with my mother who had the wallet that unfolded, you know, like all the, and it was Uh like, you know, Macy's, you know, no, it wasn't even Macy's back then. It was Gimbal's. Gimbal. Okay. That must be an East Coast thing. Yeah, that was like Macy's was this original company called Gimbal's. And if you've ever watched the Goldbergs, I haven't seen it in a long time, but when they first came out and I was like, oh, this is a show about like the 80s, they brought up, yeah, it is an East Coast thing because they were, I think they're in like New Jersey or Pennsylvania somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's, it's Gimbal's. That's what Macy's was before it was Macy's. Okay. And yeah, we used to it just, like they brought, they just brought back so many memories for me, that show. Oh, I mean, I'm sure you watched Little House on the Prairie. Oh, that, the Price is Right, you know, all the, um, all the soap operas. Pretty much a lot of them, a lot. At one point, I think I was watching like three different ones. Yeah. Days of our lives as the world turns. And I didn't watch them. I was too young, but my grandma watched them and my mom watched them. And that was like the precursor to reality TV. And so, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I mean, so much more interesting on a soap opera though. I don't know. Like I laugh. Luke and Laura. (laughs) I love Luke and Laura. Oh my gosh. I would just like, Dallas. I always wanted to be on a soap opera and I actually was in the background many years ago and I loved it. If I could have stayed at that job, I would still like be a, a like a, a soap opera actress because I love melodrama, but I laugh because, you know, you were talking about MTV and MTV was the first to put reality television on with the real world. World. Yes. And I watched the first season and maybe the second. And after that, I got bored and I was like, this will never last. Well, little Mm -hmm. did I know that this is the way (laughs) the world was going. And I mean, they don't even play music on MTV anymore, which is just so weird to me, but they still have music video awards. Yeah, the VMAs. And then what the heck happened to VH1? Like, I love VH1. They did pop-up video. Pop-up video, but even down to like the Rock of Love show and the Flavor of Love. I mean, that was like a mid-2000s thing, but it's kind of funny how like all that debauchery of the 80s came back and I don't know what they call it now, but in the mid-2000s, early 2000s, and just this loud lifestyle where it was all about the glamour, but none of it was really real. I mean, look oh, at yeah. Donald Trump. My my first memory of Donald Trump was the People magazines that my mom used to get when the whole when he cheated on Ivana and Ivana? that whole scandal. Do you mm-hmm. remember? I In think the late- they did like a commercial together after they were divorced about like splitting the pizza, yeah. like split the pizza yes. or something. I mean, yep. it's it's so weird how the story has turned out. Yeah. With this man. And the cult, yeah. And the cult of personality from then and how it's grown till now. I mean, did anybody ever think he would become the president, whether you like him or not? Like nobody ever thought that would happen. No. Like, and my opinion will stay the same on this. If you're in entertainment, stay out of politics because you have enough politicians messing us up. <laughs> Right. Well, and that's the other thing, you know, a lot of our politicians really are actors on the world stage. And, Mm -hmm. 
you know, and that's the thing, like, you got to ask yourself, I feel like anymore, were they ever an actor? Look at Ronald Reagan. He was really the beginning of it in terms of actors and show business, that marriage of how that works and how it served us today. I I grew up in Reaganomics. Look what we're dealing with today. It's crazy. He he really like was the first one that really did merge entertainment and politics and make a politician a celebrity. And we all thought this was amazing. And, you know, I've heard rumors and I tried to look it up. I think I've read something about it that he used to consult an astrologer. Jeannie Dixon. For for speech. His wife, Nancy was. Yep. So Nancy was really kind of the brains behind that. But um, yeah, it was Jeannie Dixon was the famous astrologer that he used to consult and they didn't want people to know about that. You know, so there's there's things out there that, you know, they do use astrology. They do use esoteric wisdom, whether we want to realize it or not. It's really interesting. The the Freemasons, I mean, all over government buildings is the Freemason symbol. We know that George Washington is probably the most famous Freemason known in all of the yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there might be other famous ones, you know, from more ancient times, but I'll say more modern history within the last 200 years. Yeah. And it was built in our country. Yeah. Our constitution was built with these beliefs as the foundation. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And all of our um, symbolism down to the architecture, like, I mean, we could, I could go on and on about this kind of stuff because it's kind of like, what I love to talk about, but like the city of Detroit, all of the streets, even DC, all of the streets are lined up in certain ways, grid lines, all at angles, um, all of the imagery and symbolism. If you really look into it deeper, it's pretty eye-opening. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, what is is like a a sphere or something, right? Like a, like a sunburst. I don't know about that necessarily, but I do know it is, it does make a pentagram and five, you know, five is. I have to, I'm actually doing this right now because is it. Okay. Do it. it, Yeah. I'd like to know. Yeah. Let's check this out. So pause for station identification, everyone. We are checking out Washington, DC. What would we call it? Um, Urban Uh, grid lines. Good lines. Yeah. I want to Google this just to see like what it says it is. So yeah, there's a pentagram in there. If what just came up. Um, that's funny that I said sunburst. There's just two, two circles. So there's a pentagram in a circle and there's a smaller circle and it just looks like growing energy in my mm-hmm. mind. And then and the obelisk. Yeah. Yes. I want to see Philadelphia. There's just something that Maybe. is in my, in my head about like, nope, it's not there either. I don't know what I'm seeing. Is it Detroit? Cause de- uh, so Detroit has a place called heart square. There's a lot of like, even the, 
the angles of the streets and yep. how you see the buildings. It's Detroit. It looks like it, almost like yeah. sun rays to me. I can't explain why, like a, a mm -hmm. spider web or a sun ray of, of some sort. That's what I'm seeing like in my head. So it's funny that you say that because you wonder if these places on the map are like energy portals for certain things. Absolutely. Look at the pyramids. They had those aligned to their our star systems. And, and that was before we had, I mean, that was in ancient times. Like, why would they do that? I mean, that's really my, my whole question is what is the purpose? Like, and it's harnessing energy. So pyramids do have like the base of it harnesses, and um, there's even, so there's these things that they have called orgons, orgones, they're pyramid shaped and you can put different stones in them and different metals oh, yeah. to radiate a certain energy. And like, I've heard that the government is stopping sellers from selling these on Amazon and, and you can make your own. Are you talking I mean, about the little, the little glass ones and you'll open the front and, uh -huh. oh, I used to have one of those. I don't know where it went, but I used to put a lot yeah. of a lot of things in there. And um, I always felt it was a very powerful tool, even if it didn't physically manifest exactly the way I wrote out, it was in a way that was like positive. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, our country and just the knowledge that's also been kept from us throughout the generations, you know, people don't realize like how much information is hidden. And you know, maybe that's a conspiracy theorist in me that just says that they don't want us to know our own power because then we'd see the truth and how history has been rewritten in so many different ways because they don't want us to see certain things and mistakes that were made and to follow oh, the yeah. certain narrative. I don't know what it all means, but it's definitely present and, and our right. Exactly. And uh, it's pretty wild. So like, we are in the United States Pluto return. I think it was in Ju well, July 4th, we were in our Pluto return as a country. And so that's really interesting about how, so Pluto and Capricorn, Capricorn is capitalism, it's structural mm. systems, it's control, it's father, that's Capricorn. Um, but it's also manifestation in the sense that one foot of the sea goat is on land and the other is on water what comes from the spiritual oh, to the material and like how we're changing as a country in our views. And so we've reached that point and now we're going beyond into Aquarius. And maybe some people say that's the age of Aquarius, but everything is obviously changing and it's going to change even more come 2024 is when we're officially in Pluto and Aquarius. Cause it'll go into retrograde and kind of go back out of uh, Aquarius back into Capricorn. And then it'll be finally in, begin 2024. So like when it comes to technology, spirituality, um, how we use our money, like the monetary systems, like there's a whole lot of debates and, and predictions about how that's going to go. Nobody knows the future, but we're definitely yeah. seeing changes and in, in the collective community of the world and how um, like religion has kind of been how the world's been controlled for so many, so many years and generations and, and throughout history. And, and now that that's going out the window and we're seeing the truth about that and we're understanding like our own individual divinity and mm -hmm. how we can connect as a, a global community, I really feel like there's no stopping us and our kids, 
I'm excited because a lot of times, like in generations past, all those, you know, the kids, they're just those kids. They didn't understand us. Whereas like starting Mm. generation X, like we care about our future. Like we really want the best for our future. Like we're fighting. We were the ones to bring like Earth Day to the map and, you know, start like really I mean, I remember recycling in the 80s a little bit, Mm -hmm. but like more in the 90s. I remember that's when like the different colored trash bins came out in at least like the New York City and the boroughs. Um, And in some of like, you know, like the more, I guess, urban areas, the rural areas Mm -hmm. would still kind of like do something a little different. But now it's like there's recycling everywhere we know that we have to be more sustainable because, you know, we laugh. We're like, we had a lot to do with this ozone between our moms with the beehives in the 60s and us with the high hair <laughs> right? in the 80s. You know, we really, and we used to get yelled at for using hairspray and I'd yell back, you did the same thing. And she's like, it's different yeah. now, you know? And that's like what, right? how, how we would go back and forth. Like even my mother knew back then saying like, you know, the ozone layer, the ozone layer, stop using aerosol products. Like, she was the one to say that. On the other yeah. hand, we were all drinking tab and, and crystal light. <laughs> crystal light and, um, you know, like aspartame yep. came out. It was, it, I think it was tested in the late seventies, but it was put on the market in 81 and that's diet culture and fad culture. And, you know, that yeah. really does go back to politics too. So like Donald Rumsfeld is the reason we have NutraSweet and, and aspartame and they knew what it would do to people. Do they still put it on there anyway? Cause he was the vote on the board of Searle Pharmaceuticals that put okay. it on the market. So, and he actually passed away in 2021, I believe. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, I think that's super interesting to see somebody like him finding himself so conveniently in history at certain places at certain times. So there's a lot of uncovering of those types of things and how, you know, how that's affected the future, but also um, with the Pluto and Libra, our generation, not just so much of X and, you know, Xennials, but just that full scope of Pluto and Libra, how, um, the balance of things there's been such extremism and yeah. how our beliefs are and you know art has changed um and the cosmetic industry because mm-hmm. you know the ruling planet of libra is venus so that's all things beauty and arts and and music but also of balance and justice like look at how um, like the rise of serial killer culture came up in the late seventies. Yeah. And yeah. And all that of was that. like the Zodiac killer who was like, and I think he had disappeared and come back or something like that. And that was mm-hmm. from like maybe the sixties, even late sixties into late the early seventies. And I feel, cause I have this obsession also with, with, you know, crimes and serial killers and everyone says why and I'm like because I want to recognize them (laughs) I want to know what I'm looking for that's the scary part though because you don't they look so everyday average look at John Wayne Gacy yeah it's it it just you know blows my mind but like the the Zodiac killer always because I remember in the 80s there was a comeback Mm -hmm. of Zodiac killer and 
my friends and I were really into all of the tragedies in the 80s. Like we really had, I guess for kids, what I considered like deep discussions. So we were discussing like the Zodiac Killer and we were like, oh no, what's your sign? Do you think he's going to get you? Like, and, and we were like trying to figure out which we thought he was going through the signs and picking yeah. them off like one by one. Oh my know. gosh. So we were I afraid. And we were also, that. we are also the generation of like, be afraid of the, the man in the van and don't take stamps and candy and don't end up in someone's trunk. So they put like the fear of God in us, but then it was also, you guys can go out and play all day for nine hours. I think they did right. that so we would all just be too scared to do anything except go back home or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's Pluto and Scorpio. So Pluto, like Scorpio is death and like regeneration. So even though like we were born in Libra, we're dealing with the energy of Pluto and Scorpio. That's like the Night Stalker. That's the kid on the milk carton. That's Adam Walsh, America's Most Wanted. All of that. Yeah. The, and the media was a part of that too, how the media has changed so much. And that was really at the beginning of our consciousness. Like people read newspapers back then. People don't really mm -hmm. read newspapers today as much as they did. We don't, we didn't have the internet back then to make people so aware. So people read the newspaper and they were aware of these things. But at the same time, like, like all the entertainment shows and the news shows that came on during the eighties to let us know about all these things that were going on. Like that's a lot of Pluto and Scorpio and, and how that affected our collective consciousness. So mm -hmm. that's really interesting too. And, and making the movies, like all the horror movie genres, like, oh, yeah. um, you know, Friday the 13th. I mean, that stuff was around before, you know, like night of the living dead, that's the sixties and stuff, but like horror uh, what do they call them? You know, like the series that we have today, like Halloween, the movie Halloween came out in the late seventies. It's still going on, yeah. you know, and how like that was such a big thing in the eighties. And um, it's just so wild how that sticks with us today. And like my kids are, they know all about it. And maybe it's just because of me and I'm just, I'm into pop culture and all that type of stuff. But we really grew up in the generation of pop culture as we know it. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, the eighties shaped, it, it changed fashion. I mean, the bold colors, the prints, the high hair, you know, the, the slouch socks with sneakers with your briefcase and, and your, you know, suit going to work for ladies and just our suits and shoulder pads. I loved it. The shoulder pads, the headbands, stirrup pants. I mean, that is the polar opposite of the laid back 70s style where like the most the women did was like curl their hair and then the clothes yeah. were simple and elegant and gorgeous. And there not a lot of, you know, makeup. There wasn't a lot that truly was done. And the 80s was like every, every oh, piece of yeah. like makeup equipment you could use and do. It was like um, the fake lashes made a comeback from the 60s. The, the long mm -hmm. nails, but everything was like painted red. The red lips. I mean, I remember taking my coal eyeliner with a, with a lighter to get it to yeah. smooth, you know, I mean, we had such wild, interesting and, and as much as like styles are similar now, if you go onto YouTube and you look at 
three different makeup artists take the same makeup, it will be three completely different looks. And it's like very artistic and in ways that I wouldn't think to put together because it was just, we kind of followed like the status quo, like, okay, this is how the eyeshadow goes. Yes. This is where, but now they're like, no, I'm going to use this lipstick as eyeshadow and this and this. And like, it, it works out. And you mm -hmm. different things. Whereas we just did like, I'll even go back to like the dark liner with the, the, the clear lipstick the, or gloss or yes. whatever. Yes. Oh, yep. oh my God. I have pictures of me in high school. It was wet and wild. Number 666 was the pencil with the really pearly light. I, I don't know, lip smackers, whatever that was. The lip mm -hmm. gloss. Oh God. And then and the super, super thin eyebrows. Oh, now that's coming that back, back to the eighties, but with frosted pink or purple lip gloss from wet and wild not like a shimmery frosted right. <laughs> and you used to put yes. you know all this frosted lip gloss but like nothing else oh, yeah. and like you know a ton of perfume and I, but then I, I used to go through stages also where like everything had to match like if I had on a turquoise shirt it had to be like earrings and necklace and like something in my makeup had to be and I think that that comes from mm -hmm. the 80s for all those like block color patterns and things yeah it's kind of a funny mashup in the 80s because at the end of the day everybody still followed the status quo no matter mm -hmm. what but also there was like the wild punk stuff but then there was the preppy like preppy was in oh, yeah. and and all of that so yeah like lacoste and gap and oh all yeah of, i look it's like horrible in that or the other <laughs> I was like, I, I dressed more when, when, I mean, my mother loved me in like plaid skirts and, you know, button downs and mm -hmm. things like that. But when I started dressing myself, it was literally like whatever had black in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was it. So, oh gosh. And the nineties were kind of a mishmash of both of those things. I feel like, because and we still, I remember wearing Yes, it was kind of like a culmination of every every fashion into one because we had like in the early 90s, it was the grunge and the baby doll dresses, you know, Courtney oh, Love yeah. was around and, and oh, yeah, you know, so people love that style. Anna Sui, the uh, the baby doll dresses, but there was still the glamour. We had Versace and and do you remember, I think, uh, George Michael, the the video Freedom? With the supermodels, yes. because that was the oh, yeah. supermodel era. So people was, were really like looking. At yeah, the, the Kate Moss and the Cindy Crawford era, Naomi Campbell, and they had in New Erwin York Sheet. City. Yeah. Oh, gosh. They had in New York City, they had um, like a cafe, a supermodel cafe, which. Yeah, fashion cafe. Yeah. And we all like used to kind of say, well, do they serve food in there? Cause do the models eat? And you know, it was kind of right. Mean. So sorry, supermodels. I'm sure you ate. I'm sure you do eat now, but that's also like those Gen X like jokes that we always sort of made because it didn't matter what we said. We went anyway. We, we waited in line to go in there. We used to do that for that cafe. We used to do it for planet Hollywood even though we lived Hollywood. in New York, we were so convinced 
that like Bruce Willis or Arnold Schwarzenegger or, or Sylvester Stallone was going to be hanging out in the restaurant they own. And I'm like, yeah, it's not like our Italian family's restaurant, like where your dad and your grandpa are there, like, you know, and all your uncles, like they're, yeah, yeah. they're not hanging out. But like uh, we were convinced as kids, but you know, back to fashion. Because they were hanging out in Idaho where I am. <laughs> there you go. They have property here. Yeah, they were hanging out in Idaho where I'm at. So that's kind of funny. They all have property in Idaho and up in mm-hmm. Sun Valley. And uh, yeah, they do. Oh, my God. And, um, I didn't know that. I don't know. Like, yeah. And Bruce Willis had a bar called The Mint because he also had a band. I've never been like really? I've driven by, but it changed ownership. And yeah, they had a huge presence all of Hollywood in Idaho throughout the years, really. I mean, because of wow. Sun Valley and it's, it's the most expensive zip code in Idaho, all the multi-million really? dollar homes, like hard for them to actually maintain the businesses because the people that are just the working class people can't find housing there. It's too expensive. Oh, so, um, so it's it just changed. Became, yeah. yeah. I lived in a town like that and mm-hmm. it's close to where, like where Martha Stewart lives in New York. And you know, very similar, like the supermarket was, you know, five times the price of what it was like three towns over. And even the residents there were like, why is this so expensive? And it's funny that, you know, we did mention Bruce Willis, because he actually lived in Westchester County, where I grew up at one point, um, before he moved out out of Westchester a couple of years before he made his diagnosis public. Okay, oddly, my best friend from kindergarten was uh, like a party planner for adults, kids, whatever, but mainly mm-hmm. kids and used to plan his kids' parties. Oh, wow. Said that he and his wife, she never met Demi Moore or any of you know his other children. And I don't know if they would have shown up for fear of like, you know, paparazzi, like, you know, right. she said like they were really... And I understand that they wanted to just have the kids have like normal lives with their friends. She said they were the nicest, the nicest couple. And, you know, he was really cool. And and my husband ran into him like in a tractor store one day and he was just buying stuff for his snowplow. Oh, that's good to hear, though, because you don't really hear that very much, that they're nice. Yeah. You really I hear the opposite. I worked with and I've had the pleasure of running into a lot of celebrities and they've always been nice to me that's good every single one now I don't know if the people who say celebrities are rude to them say that and feel that because maybe they went at them with an energy right that didn't match Mm -hmm. maybe that person celebrity or not was put off by you because I can see like I've noticed people in store like I don't make a big deal I've always kind of just you know really deadpan face because I'm like how annoying yeah they're just people but when you recognize a face even seeing it on tv there's a moment that goes through your mind where you're like do I know them Mm -hmm. and you want to maybe wave or you want to do something and I've I've told a few like friends about this, but I've never talked about this on the podcast, but I was a Pilates instructor, yoga and aerial instructor for many years in Westchester County. And I was saying that we lived, you know, where celebrities lived. So we always wondered why no celebrities came into our gym, but one day we got one and she happened Mm. to be my client. Oh, 
So total A-listy. And she comes in and I was really nervous. And I'm like, nope, you need to be your professional, like put on your game face. She booked the celebrity at like 9 a.m. or 9.30 a.m. when she knew there was a big shift in people coming in and out of the gym so that they would see her. So she like passed her. I didn't like that. Yeah, that's not fair. No, she comes in and I saw, I read people. I mean, you read people too, but I also read Mm -hmm. people's like facial expressions and stuff. And I saw like her jaw getting a little like clenchy and all these things. And she used a a different name. So the first time she came in, you know, people were like looking. And of course the manager said something that it was her. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. (laughs) So I walked her out to her car because I happened to be leaving at that point. And she said, I'd really like another appointment with you. Can we do a later time? She said, I, I wanted a later time in the beginning of course you could do a later time she goes oh they said you weren't available i'm like no i'm available i'd rather yeah. have a noon appointment than 9 a.m right so we met a little bit later and she must have told more people so as she walks into the room another instructor comes in and sticks their head in and just starts playing with like the thermostat but staring in her face look at my What's wrong? Like, stop, stop staring. And she's kind of like giving me, and we had already established like a rapport where like, I was like, okay, you're really strong. Like, this is funny, whatever. So another instructor walked in and she was lying on a mat and I was kind of like over her. Like I was really <laughs> protective. I don't know why. And this other instructor came in and thought it was, a a separate client of mine that I had for years. So she said this other client's name and I went, Oh no, that's not so-and-so never said who it was. And she's looking up at me kind of laughing. And I just like, was like, you know, get out. I have a client. Yeah. Get out of the room, Uh please. And I know (laughs) she knew who it was, but she said this other woman's name. I'm like, that was weird. Like, why would you even assume it was this person? They had similar color hair. That was pretty much it. Then the third time she's married to a fa- another famous A-lister, this man was coming to pick her up. And she's like, oh. I have to get out of here early. I have to get out of here early. And she told me he was picking her up. And I'm like, all right. So we were doing an aerial lesson that day. And the manager wouldn't clear the room for me so that she could just privately walk in. So I shoved her into the spa room. I said, just wait here. Let me, let me, let me clear this out. I said, come on, ladies. Sorry, sorry. I have a private lesson. And they're like lingering, lingering. Everyone's lingering to see her. How creepy. They're so fast. Like when we got out of the lesson, I said, let's end a few minutes early. So he's not waiting and you can go. And he wasn't there. And the manager comes out and said, do you want a smoothie? Do you want this? Do you want this? Fine. I'll order a smoothie. And she knew the manager's name and the manager named a smoothie after herself. So she's like, oh, I'll take that. And she knew, I knew she was boosting her ego. And she was like, oh, happy, whatever. (laughs) It was ridiculous. So she, I'm talking to her. We're having a conversation. We're just really BSing. Nothing, I don't even know what we were talking about. Maybe yoga. And she takes Mm -hmm. an aloe yoga, like, what do you call it? Like a catalog. And just put mm-hmm. it in front of her face on the counter while we're talking. I'm like, that was rude. 
So we kind of like looked like weird. So she opens up the catalog and just starts pointing to yoga poses. And it was like this crazy backbend. She goes, oh, maybe the next lesson you could get me to do that. I'm like, sure, no problem. And then you could see her nervously kind of looking outside because my, my manager kept trying to talk to her and get her to say anything. And wow. I think she was mad that I didn't ask for a photo, that I didn't ask her to like plug the gym. I'm like, that's not why she's here. And I right. told her she was one of the loveliest people I had ever met. And like, you know, and she shared like, I think was what was personal at the time, like as, as clients do with, you know, with their, with yeah. their trainers. But I was like, I think that, my manager was waiting for me to like spill stuff was waiting for me to ask her for like a photograph and be able to post something on social media. And I wouldn't do it. And I know she was really mad. And I know the celebrity didn't like her because the one thing she said to her was, wow, she's got no uh, inside voice. Does she? And I was like, <laughs> no, she does not. Oh. So the nicest celebrity I ever met, I will reveal the name of my yoga client because this is back now at least five, six years ago, was Emily Blunt. Oh, okay. Okay. Absolute doll of a human being, like so sincere, really cool, funny. You know, if I said something wrong, she had a quip back. I'm like, woo, you know, it was funny. Like she was, and really like, just like, just, just a fun, a fun individual. She made like the hour go by really quick. Yeah. And some of those hours dragged, but oh, I'm you know, sure. there's just, there was like, now for me with the spiritual journey, like letting that go teaching Cause I was like, Oh, maybe I could train celebrities now. And like, that'll be, I'm so glad I let it all go. Even though she was a nice. Yeah. Client. I hated teaching after a while. Yeah. yeah. And you were saying sure. you'd left real estate. So you probably had some burnout, yeah. even though you had some good, good moments. Yeah. You know, I'm glad I did it for the experience. And I really feel like, you know, my grandparents were realtors. I've got lots of people in my family that were, that are still realtors, but I never really felt like it was for me. Um, you know, like, I feel like what I'm doing now, what I'm working towards is really my purpose and it might go in different directions, but I, I swear to God, every time I was with a client, it would always go back to spirituality in some way, shape or form, mm -hmm. whether it be through, you know, just trying to help them organize their house or even their life. I mean, it's so interesting. Like we were talking about synchronicities earlier and how like we meet certain people and, and that's kind of why, I decided I was just going to let the universe guide me and follow my heart versus what everybody thinks I should do. I need to do yeah. what I want to do. And so sometimes like we do have to have a sacrifice monetarily or through our time. But at the end of the day, if we're following our heart and what we feel like our purpose is, I really don't think we can go wrong. And like going back to, you know, Pluto going into Aquarius, I really feel like the age of celebrity is dying like celebrity worship so celeb yeah like we're realizing the humanness like you saw her humanness and that's why you connected versus mm -hmm. the manager who just wanted to get a plug i mean that emily or right once you saw of all the that worst that people i know the manager yeah she's like a, a terrible person yeah. that i know and the 
it's, you know, obviously like I'm an empathetic person. So I pick up on feelings and energy, but the juxtaposition between the two where the woman who was just managing a gym was acting like a, like a celebrity and the celebrity was just like, Hey, great lessons. See you next week. You know? And, and yeah, it, yeah. it made me laugh because, um, it's also like where I come from, like there's two portions of Westchester counties. There's lower Westchester, which is where I grew up. So it's more like urban. And then there's upper Westchester, which is more suburban. And like I said, where like the Martha Stewart's live and, you know, the very wealthy and that's the keeping up with the Joneses area. Yeah. The haves and the have. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. I never cared that much, although I didn't mind having nice things it wasn't like yeah. an overall necessity because I wasn't raised with like designer anything if it was anything designer it was like like Benetton or something it wasn't like I wasn't getting Fendi I yeah I wasn't and it's right. like you know it was one the cheapest thing someone could find and that's not a bad thing no not at like, all you know, but, and I'm not saying the cheapest thing, but it's like, you know, one of the more affordable like items would be my gift. Whereas I feel like younger generations than me would want, or maybe sometimes not be satisfied with one of the cheaper items in a brand because of like social status. And that's the only thing that I see is a huge difference. Like Social status in the 80s and the 90s, if you had a car, okay, cool. But everyone was just, you know, jumping in everybody's car for rides anyway. But social status in the 80s or the 90s was like, if you smoked cigarettes, what kind of music you listened to, if you had like Mm -hmm. a specific jacket, X, Y, Z. And I went to Catholic school, so I was a little removed from the fashion part of it in the 90s. But now it just seems like, and I remember hearing people, oh, yeah, I want Nikes or I want this brand in the 90s. And it, it started to, but like, it started to take off into even more expensive brands. That's wild. Yeah, it's like sneakers and handbags are kind of like the equals of today. Like if you don't have the, the best Jordans and you don't have a Birkin bag, who are you? That type of thing. But really the we majority of the population. does. Yeah, exactly. Those have never gone out of style. I still wear them, but it's crazy how like the, um, the rise of the Kardashians, I think is the greatest example of how the world's going to mm-hmm. change and how it is changing because we're sick of that shit. Do you see a the world is falling them? apart? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I, I do. I and I kind of wanted to bring it. some super modern pop culture into this because I did too. And some people are saying it's the curse of Marilyn Monroe when she wore the dress to the Met. Oh God, that was just ridiculous. That was wild. I mean, and the thing is like, and if you think about their history, you know, Kim Kardashian was born in 1980. So she's, you know, between our two, she's in our generation. And like, she grew up super privileged in Beverly Hills with a a father who was a lawyer. She never knew what it was like to not experience, you know, she didn't ever experience poverty or what it's like to not have. She experienced the best of everything. And so 
she is just out of this whole society is out of touch with what the average everyday person has to live with. But when they came to power, quote unquote, or they when they came to consciousness to the rest of the of the world, people really liked the fact that, you know, they were really body body inclusive. They weren't the stick thin model type. And now here they are. And now they're taking Ozempic, which is a diabetic medication to get skinny. Have you noticed that? It's, it's okay. Epic. I did. No, I did. I knew something had to be going on because there's yeah. no way someone can naturally do that unless you're so stressed out that like you're eating, you know, three bites of broccoli a day and like that's what you're living on. And I've been that stressed out. Yeah. But, I have um, <laughs> you know, I, I was never a fan from the beginning. Um, I was just like, I didn't. I couldn't relate. The only thing I could relate to is we kind of had similar features, long, dark hair, yeah. you know, um, darker complexions that like, you know, get even darker in the sun because I have some Middle Eastern in me and they are mm -hmm. Armenian. So yeah. I, I didn't quite take to them. Like I always liked Courtney. I always just thought, and probably cause she's closest to my age, but um, recent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I love, that they have enough money to give their children all the wonderful things. Like God bless them. I, I love that for, for right. their kids, you know? Um, but I just, I feel like you're right. If their popularity is going to continue to stay steady or even rise, they have to tone it back. Yeah. And I mean, start if you look more real people again, because what people loved about yeah. them before the plastic surgeries, before the hair dyes, before the fashion and and, you know, the the money really took over because they could do all of these things. Now, they were very real. I just couldn't relate to the wealth of it. Right. You know, Kim started out as a personal assistant cleaning out people's closets you know, very real, like they had a clothing store, but I think the monster, the machine took over and, and then they just lost touch with reality. And here we are in a pandemic and they're showing us their purse closet. It's like, nobody can relate to that. It's, like, it's, are you serious? And then I wonder though, if it were me, would that, would I be the same? Would right? I, I mean, and like, I feel like Yes and no. Like, I feel like if I had found some sort of mega fame in a young age, like on my own, I wouldn't be so far out there because my family's very down to earth and they would just be like, you know, taking me down a few pegs. Right. I would appreciate because I don't care. But I feel like if it was a family fame, who's there to bring you down to earth? They're all in the same realm. Yeah, their mom is pushing them even harder. What do they say? Like the devil works hard, but Chris Jenner works harder. That's the but, saying you know, as it I goes. Mean, but for a woman who was, and again, I'm not saying this as a fan. I'm just saying this as someone who is completely fucking amazed by the empire. Yeah. This woman has built, while being a mom to six children, it really right. is completely like mind blowing and astonishing. And, um, you know, maybe I, this is a good conversation to bring up with you. Like is, you know, we were talking about like symbolism earlier in the government. So mm -hmm. let's talk about symbolism now in Hollywood, 
because we were not aware of these things in the 70s, 80s, 90s. We heard if you play Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin backwards, it opens yeah. a doorway to hell. I can tell you I yeah. have done both. There's no doorway to hell. No. It, it <laughs> no. did not happen. So we were the 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 Satan worship thing, the devil worshiping, it was it was always put into our consciousness as children. So yes. to me, just the evolution of of collective consciousness has now brought all of this Freemason satanic imagery into the entertainment industry, the music industry. But I'm not sure I believe that it truly is that. I feel like it's an aesthetic right. because truly, like, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't believe it. I, you know, I don't be believe it either because in the 80s, there was the satanic panic scare. Yep. That's what they called it. There was even like an FCC, I think D. Snyder of Twisted Sister testified yep. because there was a suicide of, because somebody was listening to, I don't remember the band, but anyway, point being that the devil, I'm not religious, but I feel like no matter what is evil, it's hiding in plain sight. It's not going to tell you it's evil. Right. It's hiding in plain sight. It's always been there. It's always going to be there. And it's going to deliver you a dream that will unfold into a nightmare because you never saw it coming. And that's the difference. So I think that's where we, right. as the as people, like we have to decide in our own heart what resonates with us and what does not. And if it doesn't feel good to us, like we shouldn't follow it. And I think that's like this whole celebrity worship culture it's going to come to an end because a lot of these things they're influenced by a lot of people that are celebrities and musicians, you know, they have to do things that they don't even want to do. Like they're forced to do contractually. A lot yeah. of them don't even have the money that they claim to have. They have to perform this I role in order believe to believe that some of the artists, comedians, X, Y, Z, that has been more controversial lately are doing so to get out of a contract. Yes. I believe that they're trying to, because when they say I sold my soul, they're not literally, I, I don't believe. I mean, maybe I am wrong. Maybe there's something that goes on in Hollywood, but I don't believe it's their actual, like eternal soul. I believe it's their earthly being. We, right. Because they, their name and their image is owned. They're, Exactly. PR is controlled. Their social media is controlled by teams to give them the best outlook possible. And then when they do something that's screwed up in human that we all do, somehow they are vilified. So there is a part of me that feels not bad because, I mean, they have this money, but they still have to emotionally like be dealing with and, and going through things. So when you hear like, I sold my soul, it's literally that they feel maybe drained energetically from all of these contractual obligations. Yes. And um, the other thing too, is like the non-performance clause. So a lot of artists, not just music, it's called the death clause because when you sign these contracts, you give up your right to own your own art and likeness. And I think um, a lot of times what, they don't understand is that they're worth more dead than alive because once upon death 
the intellectual property of their art goes to the person that they signed the contract to. So it's like when Michael Jackson died, for example, how many people, how many records were sold when any when Prince died, you know, like and all of this airplay goes there. Exactly. And so like, you know, a lot of these artists talk about, you know, having a target on their back. Well, there's a reason for that because a lot of them do not have as much money in life as that their estate will have in death because they're given a, you know, they're given uh, what do they call it in advance. So they're, they're expected mm -hmm. to take mm -hmm. all of their expenses and all of these things and their lifestyle out of this advance. I think um, Fantasia, remember Fantasia from American Idol? Yes. Yes. She was really so she, cool. I liked her. Yeah. You know, and she went through a lot of stuff and she said, you know, I lost it all. I got it back. I lost it again. Now I'm back because, you know, she was talking about how you're expected to maintain a lifestyle and an image based on the, these piddly advances where you don't get royalties and you got to continue to tour and that's, feed the machine. Well, that's what yeah. it was. Lisa Lopez at TLC, I believe was talking yeah. in a yeah. documentary saying, you don't understand there's like a pie right. piece of money. So there's like, let's say a hundred million dollars and the artist with the number one song gets the biggest piece of the pie. She's like, and ours was like 52 down the line. So we had to split like X amount of money three ways. So like, I wonder three. if living in those mansions is paid for by the actor or is it paid for by the people that they've signed a contract to do they really have these real estate portfolios with 19 properties or whatever maybe maybe not i mean i'm sure good question invested yeah. what yeah i said good question because you know um even down like i was i posted something about the real housewives yesterday with the astro you know, as a parody, because I think that's a perfect example there, you know, and how we are not just with like music, but just who's on TV. Some of those ladies are renting properties looking like they have this crazy lifestyle that they they're making most of their money off of what they get from Bravo TV. Unless yeah. they're living, I think Beverly Hills is probably the ones who have the actual money. But that's what we're supposed to look at as aspirations that we should be. Those yeah. days are over. And that's what I'm really looking forward to when when we go really into our own spirituality and understand like the human community itself, like we're not going to idolize yeah. other people or things. We're going to understand our own divinity and people that do things for clout and all that crap, you know, that it's all coming to an end. It's washing and that's just away. the human ego. It is it's washing away. And we were surely. talking timelines. So I want to end on a yeah. timeline jump because I have said this before. And the first timeline jump that I can remember recently that I feel was significant was the night of the 2016 presidential election. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I just got chills. That was, I literally saw like the matrix pixelate before my eyes as I was watching the election results. And I remember watching it. The whole electoral college was blue with like little blips of red. And I went to bed. And, but I saw the pixelation mm -hmm. and I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and I was like, that was 
weird. What just happened? And the whole world felt like silent and different and all of that. The next time I believe was somewhere around the pandemic was a big one. Yes. I remember December of 2019 and I felt it. I didn't know what was happening. Like there was my own personal things that were going on. Nothing too crazy, but I felt like this sense of, I would say panic, but it was like something that I knew that was bigger than me that I couldn't describe was about to happen in my mm -hmm. own life and the world at large. And I definitely my own spirituality, my own understanding, things opened up. Things opened up so much that I just felt like something was about to happen and I didn't know what it was, but yeah. it was happening before my yeah, very was, eyes. And then it was, it was crazy. And then there was There's, just, you know, those years of isolation, which changed everybody's mentality, everybody's emotional state. And I feel like 2023, we're just sort of starting to like pull ourselves back together. Yes. And it's a seven year, you know, and seven is this number of spirituality. It's also challenges, but it's also faith. Like I was telling you, you're a seven of spade by birth and the cards of destiny. And that's literally the faith card. And, you know, everything in your life, I'm sure that you've ever tried to accomplish, you felt like there's roadblocks. But as long as you oh, yeah. have faith in your inner truth, you persevered. I mean, well, I didn't always persevere be with the thing I wanted to do, but I'll say I made it out to the other side. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, but which is, you know, a win in and of itself. And. You know, mainly what I'm trying to do with this podcast and talking about spirituality with pop culture, because I feel weirdly that everything is connected because pop it culture, it's not just that pop culture shapes us. We also shape pop culture because in the 80s, they tried to give us new Coke. We did not buy that. There right. is no more new Coke. Crystal clear Pepsi. I think that yeah. was the 90s, but yeah, they tried to reinvent the wheel. Really? Right. They couldn't know? shove certain things in our faces. But, you know, weirdly, yeah. it's like when, when you think of everything, it just it goes back to pop culture more than like politics. People are not going to tend to remember the things that either upset them or bore them. But the thing is, now in 2023, we're thinking about politics much more than we did in the 80s. Or maybe it was because we were kids and this wasn't important to us, which is a whole other thought. Probably a little bit of both, but I think- But younger what, people are talking. Yes, exactly. And I think it's also the fact that um, pop culture is a massive projection of what we align with out there, but Hollywood and politics are intricately intertwined and mm -hmm. we're seeing it more and more. And how much, if you really look at it from that point of view, from the bigger picture, you see how much they are. They're so connected. I mean, oh, back yeah. to like the McCarthyism era with in the oh. 1950s, you know, all of that stuff, everybody was communist and blacklisted. It's all since the beginning of Hollywood, it's always been connected to politics because politics and, and the government, they know that people pay attention to Hollywood. So they're yeah. going to try to influence people a certain way to fit their narrative. And you see yeah. it more and more and look how we are in this woke culture and all that type of stuff. 
we're going to see it more and more. And like, I think we're just shining light on it. The woke culture took off during the pandemic because there was nothing else to do. But, and I say this with all the love I can to everyone who's come up with your own conspiracy theories and all these things. You, You ran off the rails somewhere but everybody's run with it. Like not every video on the internet that gives you information is giving you the truth. And I wish that people would put up disclaimers. Like I will say in this podcast, this is my conspiracy theory, or I will so uh, quote a source where I've gotten something for lack of confusion, but all of the, the conspiracy theory paranoia, that timeline jump took place during the pandemic. And I think our collective consciousness helped create this. Absolutely. Because isn't it funny how a lot of those quote unquote conspiracy theories are now true? They see, they see the truth behind it because the word itself, there is a kernel of truth with every theory or every conspiracy quote unquote and we're going to see more and more of those things being unveiled and like apocalypse the word like people thought we were in the apocalypse or the armageddon and all that word means is the unveiling that's all it means right so people are thinking that the world is going to explode and the bad people are going to go down and the good people are going to go up and you're missing the whole bible quote because no matter what there's still history from the Dead Sea Scrolls in the Bible and the quote, the meek shall inherit the earth means those of us who have taken care of it and who haven't left a giant carbon footprint and who have honored the celestial rock that we live on that gives us life. That's who gets to keep this planet. That's the keepers of the planet. And those of us who talk about the other planets and, you know, understand that the collective consciousness of not just the universe, but more our solar system is what rules us. Exactly. And it's crazy. We don't even know what we don't know. I mean, we're just here for a blip in time. And as we go on and as generations go on, you know, I don't know about reincarnation. I know I was here before, not in, in the same body. I think maybe, you know, I remember other lifetimes. I have had dreams about other things. We will continue because energy does not die. It only transforms. And so I, when I hope I come back in the future, I hope it's a whole lot better than how I left it. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we forget. And so, you know, I look forward to how things are going to unfold. There's, it's not going to be all bad. It's not going to be all good. There's always going to be a balance and like karma and the universe doesn't give a shit about what's bad or what's good. All it serves is to balance energy. So if your energy is bad, it gives you back bad. If your energy is good, it gives you back good. It doesn't care who you are either. Right. And it doesn't even know the difference. It's just duality. We couldn't exist. Light cannot exist without darkness and darkness cannot exist without light. So when all of these newer new age, I call it, talk about non-duality, what are you then becoming? Because I'm I mean, are we supposed to just then become a being of light? Is that the non-duality or 
does our soul also, because I would assume our soul also has masculine and feminine to it. Absolutely. And I think like we are beings of light. We are the spark that came from the divine, but our humanness is what makes the duality there. Obviously, you know, the thing is though, the whole talk about the twin flame, have you noticed the buzzword about twin flame Mm -hmm. and all this? Yeah. You got to find your twin flame. Actually, our twin flame already exists within us. It's our inner divine and our inner masculine. And it's a balancing of because we've been living in such, as James Brown would say, it's a man's world, yada, yada. But the thing is like, it's, this is the divine feminine rising because the patriarchy is ending as we know it. The mm-hmm. whole structural systems of the patriarchy down to That's pop culture. I mean, sister, have you seen, I don't watch a lot of these shows. I just like see the blips on the news, but I have paying attention to all the wives left on sister wives. They're sick of it. Oh, well, good for them because that just, I was surprised that that was like a TV show to begin with, um, that they were so willing to do like a deep dive into that. And I didn't pay a lot of attention, but it seems like over the years, the, the husband got um, a little controlling over everybody a lot. And that could be the yeah. money. And that could have been, you know, all of the things. But it's so weird how when we were kids, like TV were these like 30 minute shows and then maybe an hour special and it mm-hmm. was set and it was everything and now like we're going into people's lives on television right. i'm hoping that it changes i'm hoping that it gets back to the art of the what... art and yeah entertainment and um you know entertainment itself enter the mind that's the base the base level meaning of the word itself enter the mind entertainment yeah. so it's like we are entertaining ourselves with different things and what we're consuming we're definitely getting more aware of that stuff but at the end of the day like we're seeing the truth about not only ourselves about what we've been taught about what we consume and i think um we're getting to the place where we have a choice to say no more and what we want to do with not only what we're consuming, but what our purpose is and what we're doing. So I'm just, I'm grateful to be alive right now and and to see all of this happening in my life. To have seen in four to five decades, such a change and then be able to really have reference to talk about. I mean, it's not going back, you know, I love that some of the styles are coming back, but I think like my hope for the future and I feel is that the young, young kids that are like tweens and teens and even younger, that they're just going to outshine all of us in this world. Oh yeah. They're the crystal children. Yeah. They're like the ones. Yes. Really. I mean, they want to say the chosen one. I really feel like our the coming generations. I have three sons. One is 19, one is 17. And then I have a seven-year-old and I see my seven-year-old and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you. He is so smart. He is so connected, emotionally intelligent, these kids aware of things that we never thought to be aware of, you know, and that's just how evolution goes. But I, I, there's just going to be a lot of things. 
sticker on her third eye all the time and just like run around with it when she was like one or two years old. So it's, you know, it's interesting because if you'll listen to them say things, it's very adult, almost how I remember us being as Gen Xers. So I feel like this new, this newer, younger generation is like us personified. And I laugh. I'm like, good luck, true millennials and Gen Z's because their, their wit and sarcasm at seven years old is sharper than what mine is at 40 something. Good luck. Yes. Isn't it crazy? Amazing. But I'm so excited. I love it. I'm so excited for them. And, and I'm excited at the fact that, you know, these are the ones that are going to take care of us. So we got to take care of them now. You know, the whole thing back in the day, children should be seen and never heard. Yeah. I'm glad those things are over. Hearing that. Like I said, I grew up with the silent generation. That was what it was. So it's like, you know, now we're talking like just in about a hundred years, how much has changed even like, recognizing emotions and I'm not one for recognizing every emotion in everyone. Like, I'm sorry, you're having a bad five minutes, but I can't do this one right now, you know, but I think big emotions, I think traumatic emotions where, you know, there's a big change in life are valid. I don't think like temper tantrum emotions are valid. Right. And just the awareness and the ability to um, vocalize. And then, you know, me as a parent, my ability to understand their big emotions that my parents could never understand. I was just a spoiled brat, you know, all that type of stuff. So, you know, we're going to raise better children. Not that, you know, our parents didn't do a good job. They They were just doing the best what they had. Yeah. I mean, they were young also. They didn't really you know, know how there weren't like books and and videos and and how to like talk to your kid that's having a tantrum. It was, I'll give you something to cry about because that's what they heard. So it's like, you remember, I'm not saying it's even a bad thing. It scarred me in no way. I think it's hilarious because it was part of how we grew up. Mm -hmm. So I kind of liked that it was a little, um, a little more harsh in certain ways because I, I like my, yeah my moxie from it for lack of a better word. Right. And I feel like that I, was yeah, lost yeah. a little bit, but I feel like it's coming yeah. back because some of the younger Gen X parents, your age, I would say, who grew up with like their millennial siblings, kind of, you, you kind of do like a blend of parenting. And that's what I'm like, I get this part because you'll talk to the kids the way you wanted to talk to, but you're still not going to take any shit. Right, exactly. And, you know, I have a big gap in my kids, but I like to call our generation the wooden spoon survivors. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. If you guys (laughs) out there have never got the wooden spoon, good for you. But it's still, it's funny to me. I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, maybe it's like, Someone on, on TikTok will probably be like, they're just having trauma responses to getting hit with a wooden spoon. Maybe, but if you don't laugh, you, you cry. So you may as well laugh and just turn it into something funny. Exactly. And that's kind of the laid backness of like the Gen X thing. Like it was a big deal, but it's not a, still a big deal going forward. And I'm just hoping that like, 
you know, the, the younger generations will kind of choose our pick your battle mindset. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I love it. Yeah. Well, gosh, we've just pretty much gone we through the whole spectrum of everything. So much, but <laughs> I have to say, we could probably do this a lot more. So I would definitely love to have you yeah. back as a guest to, you know, pick apart some other topics and, and yes, add some astrology in. Thank you. So you so guys, Lady of the Lamps, if you're looking for, tell everybody a little bit quickly, like what, what you, what you do on your Instagram and your social so, media. I love doing the astrology. Um, I'm an intuitive and I do uh, cards of destiny readings, tarot readings. Um, and I do some crazy memes sometimes and I'm just building my social media presence. So if you want to contact me, uh, DM me on Instagram, lady of the lamps, or my Gmail is lady of the lamps at gmail.com. And I have All a TikTok. Right. I'm getting with the times. I finally got a TikTok, So I'm working on All that. Right. Too. It's, it's a trip. <laughs> I'm still learning. Yeah. So awesome. Thank you so much, you guys. Um, this you. has been one of my favorite. They're all my favorite, though. I love, I love podcasting. I love talking to people. I love connecting just, you know, across the country, across the world. So yes. this has been my favorite this week, of course, because now I also have the most lovely guests. And Thank you. this is a brilliant conversation. So to everyone out there, Thank you for listening to this episode of Messy Closet. And don't forget to keep art and keep love alive. Bye. Bye.